Good morning, everyone watching live on BAM YouTube. Let me know in the comments where you are tuning in live from. The hot sheet covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour time period. And on today's hot sheet, I will discuss the consumer price index just released, the bank contagion, and the latest on home price corrections. Today is Tuesday, March 14, 2023. I am Byron Lazine, and the hot sheet starts now. All right, we're definitely going to jump into some more of this bank contagion stuff and uh, hit the thumbs up if you were with me yesterday. If you were not at the end of this show, you can go back and watch it. All of the hot sheet shows are always in the live tab here on BAM YouTube. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Let's first go to CPI, Consumer Price Index, just released this morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Okay, so when we get a March release, it's for the month of February. All right, so everything is looking backwards. Uh, let's see where we're at. Inflation gauge increased 0.4%. That met expectations, okay? Uh, that was expected. And it's up 6% from a year ago, also meeting expectations. What did not meet expectations is excluding food and energy prices, this core CPI number, different way to look at CPI. It increased 0.5%. The expectations were there uh, for that one to come in at 0.4%, okay? And then 5.5% on a 12-month basis, okay? So the core uh, inflation came in a little bit hotter than we wanted it to, all right? So 0.4 to 0.5 doesn't sound like a lot, but if it met expectations, it would have been a lot better uh, going into this Fed meeting. All the charts that we're going to show today, we've got a whole bunch of them can be found down below in our daily download link. You can just grab all of those. If you grab them one time, you'll get them sent to you each and every single day. So you can see over on the right, <clears throat> all items, 6%. That's year over year uh, through February 2023. And then less food and energy, it's that 5.5, which increased 0.5% in February, expected to increase 0.4. So a little bit hotter than we wanted. This is showing us that inflation is not dropping off a cliff. It's showing us that inflation is inching down very slowly and obviously core inflation up uh, more than we wanted to. So this is this is a very bumpy road for inflation. It's it's not happening quickly. Doesn't mean that that's necessarily uh, that we're not going to get to our end goal of two percent inflation or the Fed's end goal of two percent inflation. But it's not happening as quickly as we want. Housing costs are the key driver still for the inflation figures, uh, but they are also a lagging indicator. We've talked about that a bunch bunch on the hot sheet. So yesterday when we were talking about this, this tech bubble of the last 10 years, there was two recessions, right? In the last year, it was the tech recession and was the housing recession. Well, we found out Friday with the collapse of SVB that the tech bubble was a real thing, that that, that was the true bubble in our economy. Housing and everybody that wants to point towards some type of housing bubble is the biggest tool that the Fed has to fight inflation. Okay. And because the Fed printed so much money, because they got so out of control with the response to the panty, that housing and, and all these other costs went way up. Okay. And for them to bring inflation down, they had to go after housing. Housing makes up the biggest part 
of the pie here when we look at inflation. Okay, so inflation dropped to the 6%, but housing costs remain high. And the, the Fed is still watching this super core inflation. So the, the latest housing numbers, uh, the overall numbers were in line. But in February, the category shelter less services, rather less rent of shelters only up 0.1%. So that's good. Okay, when you take shelter out of it and look at inflation, it, it becomes more positive. The category services less rent of shelter is only up 0.1% since last month. We had 0.6% in January and December, respectively. So that shows us signs that once we catch up on these housing numbers, uh, that we'll be in a better position, uh, position with inflation. Uh, it's down overall when compared to last year. Uh, we just talked about that. And here's the super core inflation. Okay, so here's here's a highlight of some of the super core inflation. Package delivery up 14.4%. Uh, Pet-related services up 10, 10.5%. I mean, that could go up 100%. People aren't going to care. So uh, hotels and motels, 7.4%. Hotels and motels make up less than 1% of overall inflation. So you see this going up 7.4%. That doesn't, it doesn't impact this overall housing cost that we're talking about. Trash collection, 6.9%. Laundry, 68 Dental services, 66 This is year over year, by the way. Uh, and then haircuts, 4.8%. My haircut just went down. I got a new barber. Let me know in the comments. You think that's, uh, I think I should go back to my old barber. Keep, keep the new barber. I'm saving money. Okay, so th there you go on the housing. I, I did load up, and this is available in the link below. We've got all the sources, source links, and all of the charts. Okay, so you can get everything down below. And I did link up the actual .gov site for the CPI report. I just want to show you, I think it's interesting to, to point out how big of a deal shelter is, okay? So uh, if you look at relative importance, okay? Relative importance over there on the left, okay? You see that shelter makes up 34% of the 100, okay? 34, this 50% this services, less energy services. The services uh, shelter making up 34% of them, okay? So uh, rent of primary residence, 7.5%. Owner's equivalent rent of residences, 25%. That's of like how important out of the, the pie of 100 of inflation, shelter makes up a third of it, okay? So shelter is very important and we believe, and the Fed believes, more importantly, because it doesn't matter what we believe, it doesn't matter what I believe, that's for sure. The Fed believes that these housing numbers in the future as they catch up, are going to reflect a lower cost on rent, which is going to be better for inflation. That at some point when rent catches up, it could drop inflation significantly. Let me know in the comments, please. Are you seeing signals? Are you seeing signs right now here in the middle of March that rent is less than it was at this time last year? Is rent cost in your market less than it was this time last year? Is overall shelter less? And we've, we've got a home price um, analysis from Lance Lambert at the end of the show that we'll, after we go through the banking contagion that we'll, we'll also go through for uh, home values. But just specifically rent, let me know. Are you seeing that uh, come in less right now or are you seeing that come in higher? This chart also, it goes through everything. I mean, 
If you want to know about meat, if you want to know about ham, okay, you can get it all here in this in this report uh, from the government. They, they list everything out as a 38-page PDF. I've got that down below for you if you're interested. Overall, inflation's on a bumpy road. It's happening a lot slower than we anticipated. Housing making up the biggest pie, uh, biggest piece of the pie, and we do expect the Fed to continue to do everything they can to make it hard on housing. Okay. It, it is, it is what they have to their advantage. We know the sticky spot they're in with the banks. And we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Um, Matthew says rent totally out of control and we have only eight homes in the market. Uh, so in New Jersey makes sense in the Northeast, Northeast home prices continue to go up right now. Contrary to the rest of the country. Uh, Mark, Davison in Portland says rent is up 15% over last year. So maybe the Fed's expectations won't be met. This would These anecdotal pieces of evidence here in, in the comments would be really bad news long term if that's the readings that we get in a few months, okay? That this wouldn't be good for inflation because the Fed is expecting that overall rent is going to come down. There's an abundance of in of rental inventory of multifamily inventory that will be hitting the market this year. So th that's going to still be way out there because once that hits the market, then people got to go and, and move in, which brings other rent costs down because of competition that that'll be lagging, you know, way out into the future. So I don't know if that'll help help us necessarily here in the short term, but if what we're seeing just here in our comments on this live stream is true, uh, then inflation's got a long way to go. The Fed will, for sure, mark my words on this, they will hammer housing because it is one of the only moves they have. They've got to be delicate right now when it comes to banking. They have to be extremely delicate because they don't want the entire economy of America to collapse on a bank run with 20, 30, 40 banks, which we almost witnessed on Monday morning had the government not stepped in on Sunday night, okay? And, and some people would argue with me, like, we wouldn't see that that many uh, bank runs. I don't know, did you see the stock tickers yesterday? It, it, was, it was certainly validating what I just said. When you see 20 plus banks all down double digits, this fear, what, what is a bank contagion? We'll get into bank contagion now, we'll shift off of inflation. You know, what spurs a bank contagion? It's this fear in the market. It, it's this lack of confidence between, you know, all of all of the residents, everybody in America, every, everybody out there, everybody that's got a bank account. They've got this fear that, oh, my gosh, if I'm not a, at a big four, I better get over there. Right. I better start shifting some of my money. How many people in the last 48, you know, 72 hours in the last half a week have had these conversations? Should I move my money? Is my money safe? And if they believed on Monday morning that their money potentially isn't safe, if they saw the, the ticker of their bank drop 60% in a day and then another 60% the next day, like Silicon Valley Bank did before ultimately shuttering, they saw that with their own bank, would they say, oh, uh, it's all good. Uh, I'm just going to keep my checking account there. No, this is that fear. This is that contagion, that, that effect that happens and everybody starts running. It's when you start to see lines outside of the bank, which we didn't really see 
you know, we saw, I did see a couple of news reports where there was like a two or three people going out there and, and standing at SVB and, and then it was over, right? That was, that was like a one hour blip. Okay. So overall, um, let's just, let's just see where we're at overall here on this bank contagion. Okay. You've got bank stocks up today. Let, let's actually see where they're at. You've got, let's see, uh, Dow's up right now. Let's see where the bank stocks are at. They're all up. First Republic is up 50% as regional banks rebound sharply from Monday's sell-off. Okay, so you've got, who else is up big? Everybody's up big. Everybody's up double digits, it seems, on these regional uh, on these regional banks. First Republic obviously got an investment from uh, JP Morgan. Key Corp is up 16%. Zion's Bank Corp is up 17%. PacWest is up 64%. Okay, so obviously Char uh, Charles Schwab, which was in the news a bunch yesterday, they're up uh, 14% after dropping nearly 12% on Monday. Uh, da, 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 da. A whole bunch of them. They're all up. Okay, every regional bank is up. So the confidence in the regional banking system is up. A lot of people were calling for this. And, and I referenced this on yesterday's hot sheet where you had Silicon Valley specifically calling for the government to step in and backstop depositors, to come in and quote unquote bail out depositors. They did this without tax uh, payers funds. Now, when, when we peel a couple layers off of the onion, Ultimately, what is the Fed backed by? It's ultimately backed by by us, the taxpayers. So there, there is a lot of arguments out there that yeah, the taxes, the taxpayers not paying this up front, but they're going to ultimately pay this, right? There's going to be an assessment on banks to refill this FDIC pool of money that they're using right now to go and insure depositors. Banks going to pass that off to the consumer. There's a whole bunch of, you know, ways they're going to get this money out of you. You're not, you're not out of the woods there on this. But going back to what I said yesterday, and I, and I just want to highlight one particular uh, individual, Silicon, not, I wouldn't say Silicon Valley, but certainly tech guy, um, former CEO of Zillow, 14 years, a friend of BAM. We've interviewed him on BAM. I, I just want to highlight his thread yesterday on Twitter, because th this was the type of uh, conversations that were, were taking place from Thursday, Friday into the weekend. And then this is his thread yesterday. So let's take a look at what Spencer Raskoff said um, yesterday on Twitter. We're all digesting this weekend's events. Okay. Uh, we all hope and pray that withdrawals from other regional banks slow and that depositors are comforted enough to stay put and no more collapses other than SVB and signature. Of course, that. That is the argument for the Fed coming in and doing what they did, which is backstopping depositors. And now you see that stocks are up. So the hope, crossing fingers, the hope is that people are like, okay, I don't have to move my money. Uh, I'm not going to rush to JP Morgan Chase. You still see a lot of ballers doing it regardless. They're just like, I'm playing it ultra safe and I'm making the move. So it's not stopping everybody. Okay. Uh, the run on SVP happened at the speed of Twitter. Okay, so this is what I said yesterday. Look at here. This is exactly what I said yesterday. Uh, world travels faster now than ever. WhatsApp groups, Slack groups, Twitter, Signal, Telegram, right? 
he's talking about what I said yesterday. Okay, these these people in Silicon Valley who are uh, in the same text groups, a very tight knit community. Like I said yesterday, just like real estate that are telling each other, hey, I'm taking my money out. You should too. I'm taking my money out. You should too. And this created a cascade against SVP, SVB, and everybody got their money out. All right. Uh, and then the bank collapsed. Okay. So there you go. The government 100% did the right thing. The only thing by assuring depositors made whole. Now, Spencer and others had interest in SVB. Okay, so that this is where the tech community is getting beat up a little bit because it's like, okay, you had interest in SVB. You're saying they did the right thing, but if you didn't have money in there, what would you be saying as a capitalist? Would you be saying, you know, that the, the pure libertarian view is like, just let these guys fail and let's let the chips fall where they may. Um, you know, where would where would Spencer have sat if he didn't have any interest? We don't know because he did have interest, and this is his thoughts. Uh, this is not a bailout because shareholders and creditors will be wiped out. Taxpayer money is not being used. There's an argument that taxpayer money ultimately is the backstop to all of this. And it makes sense, uh, but they're not, it's not being used up front. Okay. I love that shareholders and creditors are being wiped out. They should. They should be wiped out. And the the CEO of SVB should be in litigation for years. He should never have another job, even if it's cleaning floors. He should be put out to pasture. He took three and three point six million two weeks ago, sold off on the on the stock. Uh so and Maybe that was planned. I don't know, but uh, it smells a little fishy. Depositors are not creditors. Yep. Okay. People who say depositors took a risk by having more than the FDIC insured 250000 limit are misguided. And he's being polite. They need to understand that $250,000 is not that much money for a company. Okay. But Roku had a half a billion in there. So does Roku, Roku here's where the argument gets a little fishy. I agree with Spencer. A 10 person startup. It's just trying to make payroll. They put their money in the account and they're trying to make payroll. And that's that. Got it. Okay. Those small banks should not be, you know, liable for the regulators not looking at what's going on at SVB. But Roku, who's probably got some fancy CFO and they stuff a half, half a billion in one account uh, and they're going to get 100% of that back. I don't know. F Roku. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not advocating for Roku. I'm advocating for the small businesses, but there was a big, big players in there that should have known better. Uh, even if a bank runs on regionals are avoided, as we all hope, the big banks will benefit from new customers. Absolutely, the big banks are going to benefit. Uh, if, if we were to press Spencer and other, you know, investors, hey, how many of your, of your investments are you advocating to go to Big Four right now in the last few days? Because if we look at Spencer's timeline. He actually shows you we got a withdrawal from SVB on one of our investments. Well, where's that money going? It's definitely going to the big four or one of these big banks. 40% of portfolio uh, companies, 100 startups, mostly seeds and series A were with SVP. So he, so he had 100. I don't know if that's less than uh, about 100 startups. Okay. He had a bunch with SVB. Most have, And so here you go. Here's where most have moved to JP Morgan Chase um, or FRC. What, what's FRC? Uh, somebody help me out. FRC. FRC stock. Uh, First Republic Bank. Okay, so they moved to First Republic Bank, which yesterday uh, had the backing by, by J.P. Morgan Chase. So basically, they're both J.P. Morgan Chase at this point. Okay. Uh, venture debt is dead. Uh, this was co common prior to, uh, you know, this is, a, this is how SVP got in trouble, this, this venture debt. Expects new regulation. Listen, 
This was a tech bubble, what happened here. Expect new regulation prohibiting a bank uh, from requiring, okay, uh, maybe private lenders step in and, and provide venture debt as a product, maybe. So he's just talking about venture debt here, venture debt, venture debt. I, I wanted to highlight what was being said. And if Bobby, if I don't know if we can go to that video right now. I'd like to show the video to also highlight, you know, I just don't want to highlight Spencer, but here's David Sachs. He's the COO. Yeah. Play it from the beginning. If you could, he's the well, uh, founder and former COO. Was quite hey, good. I was actually very concerned yesterday morning after Yellen went on the Sunday shows and she sort of said some of the right sentiments, but it was very vague and unclear and it didn't inspire confidence. And then last night when they said that they were going to protect depositors at SVB, and they're going to create this new facility for all these regional banks that might have uh, basically unrealized losses on bonds. I think that was a very strong step. So I think that, you know, you can say that maybe it took them a day or two too long. I think Friday would have been better. The sooner you nip a banking crisis in the bud, the cheaper and easier it's going to be. I agree with that. But I think they did get to a good answer last night. And I think now the question is, is it enough? And, um, you know, it, it's, um, it was still, I think, pretty disturbing this morning that you saw about half a dozen of these regional banks get clobbered, mm. including fantastic companies like Schwab just get clobbered and then they had to halt the trading of them. So that tells me that maybe it's not enough. And I'm sure you saw Bill Ackman had a proposal this morning where he just said, listen, we got to just come right out and say that all of these deposits and all these regional banks are protected. We can basically figure out the regulations and the FDIC later, but we need to basically uh, go ahead and let depositors know their money is safe. I, I tend to agree with that. Okay, okay. Well, let's talk for a moment about how we got here. Lots of fingers being pointed, including at you <laughs> and, and your so friend. He's a Silicon uh, Valley investor. From the production board, uh, one of your besties in the All In Pod today about the accusations out there that investors like you guys actually fed this problem early on by raising the alarm on social media and in private channels. Here's what he said listening to people on Twitter from Silicon Valley telling them what to do, they saw what happened with this balance sheet and they went out and they moved their money out of their smaller banks into big banks. That's it. That's what happened last week. And it was the beginning of what I think we're now seeing with First Republic today. Um, and I can tell you, I got a list of other names that I've had friends say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. There and you go. Going to That's what I want to hear. There. So this is David Friedberg, another big Silicon Valley investor. You can take the video down. Uh, David Sachs, they, and, and now Spencer Raskoff on Twitter, amongst many, many others. They're all saying in their text groups that we have a list of banks and, and that there's going to be a run on these banks, that there's going to be big money moving out of these banks and into the big four. And so some people are, are blaming them for saying these things on Twitter, for saying these things on CNBC and all, and all these different videos, blaming these venture capitalists for telling everybody this is what is about to happen for the fear, for the bank run. Okay, so that's one viewpoint. Let, let's blame them for igniting the bank run. But what they're saying is the bank run is going to happen no matter what, okay, because this is the reality. All of these companies are moving money right now. They're lined up. They're ready to go to move into the big banks. So you got one viewpoint saying, well, well, you're igniting that fear. And then their standpoint is, no, 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 we're not igniting the fear. We're trying to wake up the Fed. We're trying to wake up the government to come in here and do something 
and insure all depositors. Okay. And so that still hasn't happened yet. Obviously, SVB and Signature, uh, the two banks that have failed, the number two largest bank failure ever. And oh, by the way, Signature, the number three largest bank failure ever in America. Uh, th these depositors have now been, been insured. But what they're, what they're, you know, you heard David Sachs there say, um, let's go give protection to all depositors. L let's insure basically all depositors. Well, uh, the FDIC doesn't have that backstop. They don't have that money. Now, what they did with these two banks and what we're seeing today is some signals that it's creating confidence that I don't have to rush to the bank and go transfer my, my money over to the big four. You're seeing the stocks go up. You're not seeing lines at the bank. So it's instilled confidence. But they haven't come out and said, we're going to insure 100% of depositors. So there's still a level of uncertainty. You know what the big four, you're, they're too big to fail. You can go there and you can put as much money into an account as you want. And I know the limit's 250,000, but if you're a B of A like I am, you're not going to be really worried about it. Okay. And, you know, if you're at Wells Fargo, you're not going to be really worried about it because the Fed has shown us that those four banks are too big to fail. And maybe they do want more consolidation into the big banks. You know, that, that's also a theory. I'm not going to get into conspiracies, but obviously that's a theory that's being floated out there. Uh, I have a feeling banks like JP will gobble up these small banks. They basically did that with, uh, you know, First Republic here. And so, yeah, I think I think these guys are going to be buyers as some of these banks get super vulnerable and they can buy them for pennies on the dollar right now, for sure. Okay. But ultimately, depositors are not technically all protected right now at all of these regional banks. So there is still potential for regional banks to get a run on them in the future. Remember when in 2008, um, you know, Bear Stearns and Lehman happened six months apart. Okay, so we're on what, day two here? Things can happen later on in the year. Okay, the federal interest rate is going to uh, obviously have an impact on that. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Why do we need regional banks? Let me know in the comments if you're a real estate agent and if your clients are getting a mortgage, Wells Fargo's out of the mortgage business. So one of the big four banks is out of mortgage. Um, but if they're getting their mortgage, if they're running over to B of A for the best mortgage uh, and the best terms, or if they're running over to JP Morgan Chase for the best mortgage, or are they using a regional bank or are they using some other lender, right? What, what happens more often? Let me know in the comments. Do you believe as a real estate agent, or as an investor using loans to buy real estate, let me know in the comments if you think we need some of these regional banks. You saw in that David Sachs video, all those regional banks were all red. Today, they're all green. So nice uh, turn of events there. And just to close the loop here on what these, a little bit of the bias of these investors, David Sachs was one of the people that, that had interest in SVB. Uh, we, we just showed you, you know, Spencer Raskoff, for example, uh, his his food app, which he started with uh, one of his, I think it was his daughter, um, they were on SVB. Okay, so they had an account there. Okay, a lot, a lot of these venture capitalists would make you keep your money at SVB. Okay, there was incentives to do that. And here's that, that um, tweet I talked about, 1121 transfer went through. One more small business depositor was able to get their money out of SVB and now continue to operate, pay vendors, 
etc. So you know these guys were encouraging people. Uh, here's the um, the tweet that shows that that uh, get recon food account there um, posted to another bank. And he already told us in the in the prior thread um, that everybody's going to J.P. Morgan Chase. Okay, so if that continues to happen at a slower pace, albeit, but continues to happen right now, then there will be more pressure on on some of these smaller banks. Okay, um, so something broke. We know what it was. It, it was these regional banks, but the Fed is still expected to go through with rate hikes. Okay, markets now. Markets are up over ninety percent. Back um, saying ninety percent expectation is that we will see. Uh, they're they're saying here eighty five percent. This article I think was yesterday. Traders on Monday assigned 85% probability of a 25 basis point interest hike uh, when the Fed committee meets next week. I saw a number this morning that was up to 91% as of today. So the markets are pricing in a 25 basis point hike, less than the 50 basis point hike. But the expectation is, and some people were saying yesterday, hey, we're, we're going to see the federal interest rate remain flat, like no hike because of the bank crisis, the expectation is that they'll still increase, okay? Uh, Goldman Sachs was virtually alone when it expect said it expects the central bank to pass up the chance to hike rates next week, okay? So we'll see what happens next week. I don't believe that the, uh, the, inflate, the CPI report that we saw today, while the uh, overall CPI met expectations, that core CPI being up a tenth of a point, I don't think that's helpful. Um, but we'll just have to see what they do next week. I'd be shocked if they paused. I'm with the camp uh, that believes, you know, I'm with the markets that's up, you know, over 91% belief that they're going to go 25 basis points. I'd probably be in that camp. I was in the 50 basis point camp for about four weeks up until up until this. It might be a little too aggressive if they go 50. And we'll obviously find out and cover that when we when we uh, get the information next week as they meet next week. OK, uh, Fortune magazine. I don't know if it's really a magazine anymore, but Fortune online. That's where I'm subscribed. Lance Lambert covers housing. Uh, he's at News Lambert on Twitter. He's a great follow. The home price correction. It's the latest shift as told by six housing market charts. I've got all of those charts. We're going to go through all of them. They're all down uh, below for you. OK, so this is a look back on um, what's happening up to the minute here on the housing prices, okay? So uh, let's just go right to the charts and walk through them, okay? The home price correction has lost some geographical steam. Percentage of major housing markets with positive or negative month-over-month -month home price growth, okay? So you can see that less than uh, 60%, uh, but, but, but actually it's less than 40%. I'm sorry. Cause he, he always does these charts upside down less than 40% of major housing markets right now in February saw housing prices decline. Okay. It was over 60% in January. I mean, I'm sorry, in December. Okay. So December, November was all over 60%. September, October was getting close to 80% of major housing markets we're seeing declines. Now that's starting to shift. That's starting to lessen, okay? So it's losing, th this pricing correction as we go into spring is losing steam. We're passing through this home price correction. If you look all the way to the right, you see a lot of blue there. 
you see that line is, is starting to ease up that red line, home price decline, a sharp um, decrease in the amount of major housing markets with a decline. Okay. So home price growth, another way of saying this home price growth, over 60% of major housing markets saw home price growth in February. Let me know in the comments if you're in one of those markets. Are you in you know, the 60% where you're seeing home price growth in the last 30 days? Or are you in the 40% where you're seeing home price decline? Let me know in the comments, which side are you on and let us know which market. Okay, shift in home values between December 2022 and February 2023, according to Zillow. Okay, so you see that the West and the Southeast are the markets and a little bit in Texas, the markets that are seeing this shift down. You're seeing the middle states and the Northeast and the East Coast where you're still seeing increases from December 22. Okay, so this is the last three months and February 2023. It's according to Zillow. Shift in home value since the respective 2022 peak. So since the peak, seasonally adjusted data through February 2023. West, really red. Okay, you're talking about 10% drops there from peak uh, till today. Same thing with Southeast and Texas. It's spotty throughout the rest of the country. You see Massachusetts, the most red in the Northeast. Year-over-year change in home prices, a lot of blue, a lot of this deep blue in the Southeast and in all along the East Coast and the Northeast, in the middle states, okay? You really have little red when you go year-over-year change in home values, year-over-year change in home prices, okay? Same thing. A lot of this deep, deep, deep blue means that these markets are way, way up, okay? Uh, Remaining pandemic housing boom gains, the entire country is red. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Blue. Blue meaning good. Blue, blue meaning way up. The entire country is deep blue, uh, still having enormous gains, except for, I don't know if that's Louisiana down there. Uh, it looks like Louisiana, New Orleans, I meant to say. Uh, anyways, that's the one little pocket of red uh, that doesn't have the remaining pandemic housing boom gains. Okay. Uh, here's a, an interesting table that shows you month over month numbers for uh, 30 uh, housing regions year to date down from peak. And, and then since 2022, if you look at since 2022, everything is up 20% or more in these 30 markets. Okay. Tampa's up 54.25% since March, 2020. Everybody that listened to that one YouTube channel, I won't say their name, who was telling you not to buy in 2020 and 2021 because uh, you're buying too high, uh, all those folks would have missed out on low interest rates and 50, 20, 30%. There, there you go. That's the guy. Uh, that's the guy I'm talking about. Please get that guy on your show. I've actually asked him to come on the show. He doesn't even respond. He just puts out the same piece for three years in a row saying, don't buy real estate. And we can see here that Everybody in the last you know couple of years who did buy is up big. Tampa 54%, Miami 49%, Cincinnati, Ohio, 34%. So you don't have to be on water. Uh, I'm sure they've got some water in Cincinnati. Never been there. I'm sure it's very beautiful, but you don't have to be San Antonio. I've been there. I know they don't have water. 38.14% they're up. Portland, I'll be there next week. We're going to be doing bam live streams from the turn on event. Bobby, put the turn on event 
uh, in the link down below. I don't know if there's even still tickets left. There is a BAM discount code. Love to see you there. I'll be in Portland next week doing the show live uh, the first few days of the week. They're up 25%, okay? Um, now, you're seeing month-over-month month declines in almost everywhere. You do see Portland down uh, a half a percent month-over-month. Year-to-date, they're down a, a percent. Down from the peak, they're down 5%. Okay, and this is the greater Portland area. If you if you pick apart a segment of the city, it might be greater. Maybe there's an agent from Portland uh, you know, that, that's here and is going to say, well, it's, it's, you know, it's 15%. Okay, this is the greater Portland area that, that we're going. So I think that would include the suburbs, okay? Uh, there you go. Interesting that this is a very localized situation for home prices. And even when we look at these greater markets, you've got to dig deep within those communities and within those price ranges when you're giving people information on the housing market. It's really critical to do that. And we're talking price ranges, we're talking sublocations, and that's that's what these reports ultimately don't do, okay? But it does look like we are in a more normal housing correction uh, than certainly we saw in, in 2008. There's nothing like 2008, I talked about that yesterday, uh, but this is just a normal house, house price correction where now we're getting into the spring and less markets are experiencing a home price decline. Let's take a look at where we're at up to the minute on the 10 year. And I'm also just interested to see what the markets are doing right now. We've got the Dow rebounding up 350 points, up a percent. We've got SP up a point and a half. NASDAQ's up two points, 200, or I'm sorry, 200 points, 2%. Okay, so the markets are all re reacting uh, to this to these regional banks, which are still all up big. Okay. So there you go on that. Let's just take a look at the, where we're sitting on the 10 year today. When we started the show, we we're up a little bit. Okay. So the markets are, are up and now the 10 year is up. Okay. So we're back up six point, uh, three point six five. that video, by the way, that I showed you with David Sachs and then, uh, David Freeberg, the two venture capitalists from Silicon Valley, David, later in that video, David Freeberg goes on to say that he's predicting that the 10 year by the end of the week will be below 3.3, which was, would mean we'd be very close to 6% 30 year fixed. Um, with the market reactions today, and then the 10 years reaction today, it seems less likely that we'll see that his prediction come through. Uh, the 30-year fixed, of course, yesterday did drop down to 6.57 with the increase today. We could be back up between these two numbers of 6.57 and 6.76. It'd be hard to hard to see that the 30-year uh, fix would drop on a day where the 10-year is up unless the 10-year switches later today before the 30-year fix read comes out. All right. Today at 2 p.m., we've got the Real Word podcast. Myself and Nicole do not miss that. I've uh, got a lot to cover on that. And we also have a free book just released down below for you on video equipment for every single budget. So if you're interested in creating content for your business, make sure you get that ebook down below. A little bit of a longer live stream, but we had a lot to unpack today. Just a lot going on with the CPI and the banking news. And then that great report from Lance Lambert on the house prices. Everything's that uh, available down below for you in the daily download. And until tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Eastern, have a great day and toodaloo.